Finding money, um, well, we've forgotten there was some. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Boys and girls, welcome to episode 319 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. I've just found 30 pesos that I've forgotten that I'd left on English Down's table. And I'm joined by English Down. Hello and welcome for another week. Andres. Hello, welcome. I'm Tony. Hello everyone. Uh, This is our final episode of 2018. We're going to give ourselves... I'm going to give everybody. (laughs) Because this is a dictatorship, not a democracy. Um... I think two weeks off, probably. Cool. At least one, anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, more likely two. When does the Sudamericano Sulvente start? Second, Second week, week of January? January. So I we'll be back for that, probably. Um, anyway, as is the final episode of the year, I want to begin by thanking our very generous Patreon supporters. Um, it has been the first year, or it's been most of the first year, at least, um, of us being on Patreon and... Uh, Cheers. Um, I've just shared out a surprising amount of money, a gratifying amount of money to the three gentlemen sitting around the table with me. Um, it means an awful lot and there's a fair chance that we wouldn't still be going on if I hadn't eventually got us on Patreon uh, because I was starting to get a bit fed up a year and a bit ago. Um, so thanks very much. It means an awful lot. Please continue to support us and remember that you can get um, extra special extra episodes um, of Hand of Pod if you become a Patreon supporter for just $5 a month. Although if you want to give us more, then you're very welcome to. Um, on that note, we will get on with the podcast this week. I'd normally start reading out a load of results now, but there aren't really any results to tell you about, of course, because the Superliga already ended uh, for the year a, year a year and a half ago. No, a week and a half ago. Feels like a year and a half ago. <laughs> it does, yes. It feels like a very long time. Um, we have got one match of course which we are going to have to talk about a little bit so we may as well rip that plaster off and uh, discuss River Plate there was no wait go on was that the week before one result yeah just after we recorded last week or can Argentinos uh, finish nil-nil as you will have uh, heard if you continued to listen to last week's episode all the way to the end Um, which I clearly did none of us saw it (laughs) and from what I read about it afterwards there's not really an awful lot to discuss so instead sorry but uh, sorry to interrupt you but uh, is there any dates or schedule or something uh, for River to play the matches pending yeah yeah it was uh, summer I I heard there's two matches in January oh oh really I I will look it up but uh, yeah I, I heard that yeah that prevents us from cancelling the Pekate football, doesn't it? But um, Which I actually forgot to cancel. I think I mentioned that last <laughs> week. Um, but anyway, um, we are going to discuss River's uh, Club World Cup semi-final defeat. Or, well, draw followed by penalty elimination. Um, to, oh God, I forgot the name, Alain um, of the United Arab Emirates. Go on, Tony. Yeah, um, two things. Uh, there's... Sudamericano Sub-20, it's in January 17. Okay, we'll be back before then. Wednesday, two days later, 
Liverpool played will uh, play Defensa Justicia and then on 23 against Union de Santa Fe. Both. And the oh, okay. Superliga is due to resume on the weekend of the 27th of yeah, January. So Friday the 25th would be I the first I think we did have, we had a question yeah. along those lines, so we've, yeah. we've so, jumped the gun a little bit. There. So River will have any precision perhaps or short precision because... Yeah. There, is, there is no precision. You have the World Cup and then you have... Drink some cider, have some pandulce, and then you'll be right back. You to keep on training, yeah. It's the middle of the season anyway. I mean, why do they need to have a whole other pre season when it's just a pre You should be trying to just keep in, in some form, sort of yeah. shape. And, then they didn't really have much but, of a pre season um, after the World Cup, right? Because they were straight back in with Copa Argentina, with Libertadores. Yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah. quite a long idea for, for Rubio Massa. It has. Um, and it's, it is one that, obviously, during the summer break, uh, there are going to be a fair few outgoing players, and we're going to mention that a bit later. But first of all, I'm going to drag everybody off the topic now and insist that we discuss the Club World Cup semi-final. Mm-hmm. Um, the Club World Cup semi-final involving the South American team is always a much more torrid um, and uh, <laughs> high pressure affair, let's Brilliant say. adjective. Than the one involving the European side, because obviously there's pressure on both of them to win it and massive expectation on both the South American and the European side to qualify. Mm-hmm. But the European side have the considerable advantage of being so much better than their opponents and they may as well be playing a different sport because that's the nature of modern football. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the South Americans don't anymore. Or possibly never did, but we're finding out that they don't now. Um, I suspect they actually would have done if the Club World Cup had been being played in the 70s and 80s or whatever, but, you know, it wasn't. So, here we are. Um, what did we make of it, gents? Well, I think that what happens is that, like you said, or like I think you said, is that in the case of River or any Argentinian team that comes to the World Cup, is that they are thinking on the match of the, or the final against Barcelona, Real Madrid or, or, or the European club that qualifies that rather than the semi-finals uh, properly or itself uh, independently of the, that River had their own story about the Copa Libertadores having been played nine days after, uh, nine days before and, and uh, that could have made some uh, extra, well, tiredness or they were exhausted, perhaps. I think Not Javier Minola, for one, had a monumental yes. hand. Yeah, they, yeah. they were... They it was were, all he could do to stop just fainting and throwing up, I yes. think, on the sidelines. There were players that uh, incredibly, they played incredibly under uh, their normal level, or the level they showed against Boca nine days before. Uh, like Minola, like all the defense that uh, even uh, the other day were... It's particularly awful. Uh, they they haven't been showing a, a very good performance. They are conceding goals almost every every match. A lot of them uh, via the, the free kicks or corner kicks, and and that is something that uh, they they haven't solved. Uh, yeah, I thought it was quite a strange game. You know, watching yes. as someone who didn't particularly want River to win because I'm just like that. Um, in that River did look like for the very sh- brief period where they actually decided to play the game they could they could have walked away with it there was this period I'd say completely on top for pretty much the whole first half that's what I'm saying that once they had that kind of shock of um, Alain going ahead out of absolutely nothing because it was mm. basically a, 
an Olympic goal, as we say, uh, a goal straight from the corner. I don't know if it took a touch from. I think it, well, the, someone coming in. By the end of the match, I noticed that the television graphic had been updated to credit um, Marcus Berg with the, yeah, with the goal. So I think he must have touched it on the line. I don't know if they were just sparing Armani, Armani's blushes a bit there by giving the goal to someone else. I'm not sure he spares too many blushes. Like well, no. bounced through his legs. That's certainly blushes from the corner anyway. In any case, um, once that goal went in, um, kind of River did get shaken, shaken out of this um, this kind of malaise they found themselves in. Kind of between thinking about how brilliant they were in uh, Copa Libertadores final against Boca and how brilliant they were obviously going to be in the Club World Cup final uh, against Madrid, while completely forgetting they they actually had a game to win first, um, they sort of shook themselves out of it. Played some really decent football, showed that they were the superior team because once under pressure, Alain looked awful, uh, just really kind of hanging on for dear life. Um, and that allowed River to, to overturn that early, early lead and go ahead really fairly easily, I think. I think it must be said. Um, but then for some reason, once that once they got back in the lead, they just shut off again. It was almost as well, all right. We've done done the hard work again now. It should have been a little bit easier than this, but right, this is it. We'll on to Madrid, lads. And credit to Alain, they were kind of I think outmatched on talent, but they ran and ran and ran and kind of really harried River all the way through, and and it was completely deserved just through pure mentality. I think if I was the River coach and saw that game, I'd be absolutely furious. I mean, they were the oldest champions or not? Like senior. Your players play in that manner in an important game, a cup semi-finals. It's it's just really not honest. Um, I think it's almost disrespectful to to the River fans that paid I don't know five hundred million pesos to get last-minute flights to Abu Dhabi and and watch that. Like yeah. you, you can't do that, really. For 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 me, being the someone that usually watch the special the goalkeepers, because once in a ages ago I tried to be one, so I, I have a little bit of of training in that in that regard. I think one part of, of what made the difference is are the goalkeepers. The, the all-in goalkeeper, without doing superb saves, hub uh, Alain to he be alive. Very, he looked very shaky at the start. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but in, in the second half, without doing, like I said, something that you'll, you will remember, uh, super saves, he, he did enough to, to keep the, 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 the team alive and, and Armani... Like Pinola, not at, as bad as Pinola, but Armani didn't have you know, his best game ever. Actually, I think he has some responsibility in the second goal because he he went too much to, to the middle of the, of the goal and and have, um, let the the first post um, on, unguarded. And yeah, he, he, he should have do a little bit more mm-hmm. the, in that in that. I thought it was the first one more. Yeah, the world goes. Under. Well, the first one clearly. Yeah, was, the first yeah, one was, was a, was a really, blunder for the entire difference. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, the the second one, given that it was yeah. a, a clear strike and it's not a corner that you can get a little bit uh, misguided because of a defense that tried to to hit the ball and doesn't or whatever. But the, the second one, it was a complete loss of of, of uh, where you should be in, in goal when you have a striker coming to 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 you and, and yeah. try to make a goal. Uh, and Pinola, what, what can we say about Pinola? That you didn't say already. Yeah. I mean, it's like he has uh, support matches or awful matches. It's not the average performance. And 
and this time he was it was the worst uh, as as when he uh, arrived river that his perf his ratings or performances were were uh, so bad that uh, of course a lot of people asked or wondered uh, why he came to river and uh, of course that I insist that that nine, nine days were perhaps not enough for them to to clear their minds that's not an excuse anyway uh, I think it was fairly evident as well that no one in the river uh, coaching staff or, or in the battery suffered bothered really to watch Alain no, at all no, no, because putting two very slow central defenders like Madano and Pinolo up against team like Alain Plus Poncio, who's yeah. not the quickest man on the field. And it was an interesting one because there have been a it's lot... It's a recipe for disaster. There have been a lot of talk in a couple of days before the game that maybe Martinez Cuarta was going to come in for Maidana mm. to give Maidana a bit of a rest. It would have made uh, sense, surely. Which would have also added a little bit of mobility to, to that battle. It would have been helpful. And, yeah. and one of the problems as well, as much as Pinola's you know, poor performance stood out, was also there was a bit of a disconnect between uh, Gonzalo Montiel at right-back and Jonathan Maidana at right-centre-back. Just I mean, Madonna didn't play as badly yeah. as Pinola, but he, he didn't have that normal connection that they fight. And that was precisely the space that Kyle managed yeah. to run into for the second goal when he sort of cut inside and then hit it. You heard the story um, of Kyle, it's an, it's an interesting story. Well, he started out in Brazil and then he went to Japan Kashima. in the second division, was it? Or in no, the first division? High school. Go on. He uh, was first a member of Sao Paulo's youth divisions, got kicked out for being too small. Mm-hmm. went to Santos and Palmeira. They also, after a trial, said, no, you're too small. So in the end, he went to an open trial in his home city, of, which is called something like Baigu or, mm-hmm. or something along those lines in Sao Paulo State, uh, where a Japanese high school team was on tour. Oh. They had a look at him, and he said, and in his words, like he touched the ball twice, showed really good talent, and... They said, right, you want to come play with us? So he enrolled in Japanese high school, played for their team, and upon graduation, uh, got signed up by Kashima in oh, the well. J-League. And then, obviously, went on to, to the UAE. And now, yeah. probably Bok. <laughs> well, he's been linked with Benfica. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not with Benfica. He's been linked with a move to Portugal, is what I saw. I, I just came out with Benfica mm. for some reason. Um, and I, they were, the commentators were saying during the game that he'd also been linked with a move back home to Brazil to one of the São Paulo to one of the big clubs there but the commentators said so many things during both I, I didn't actually bother watching <laughs> the Real Madrid semi-final because I thought River are out so there's no point in watching this semi-final I don't have to I'm going to go and do stuff I'd rather it, it do be strange. but I did afterwards read a, a thread of tweets about yeah. some of the things the commentators were claiming were <laughs> facts during that game and which actually were bollocks sorry Andres go on. no it's okay but it would be strange for Caio to go to a bigger club since I remember for example Yale could to play for Boca yeah. after he played against Boca for Paysandú and mm. he was uh, great uh, those were in the days when you didn't have television could, <laughs> and Argentine yeah. clubs could actually well, buy then, Brazilian players because then, the peso wasn't that weak yeah but then also, also you didn't have the tool to have a, a good research I, I remember another uh, Jorginho the, the, the left back for Boca was yes. awful and they seen it because okay so the Brazilian left back what could go wrong well, a lot actually. Um, so it wasn't Roberto Carlos. It wasn't. Um, but now, now you have the tools to, to to have enough research, even illegally, <laughs> to watch at least three or four games of Alain yeah. and try to to understand uh, how, how they play. Well, it seems like he does have a future. I'm not saying he's gonna get to the top level, but definitely. Prof- Prof- is that somewhere in Portugal, perhaps, or 
or some level like that. Proof that is quite easy to know about uh, your, your rivals is that Kayo was interviewed before the, the, the Club World Cup semi-finals and he said, of course, Quintero wasn't in the starting lineup, but he said, yes, we have to be careful with, with Quintero. Proof that proves that it's quite easy and it's obvious that they have watched River Boca semi-final. Yeah. At least, it, yeah. Well, the Brazilian at least have watched it. Yeah. Playing about the rest of the playing team. Madrid in a more, more much more non mm -hmm. uh, uh, scenario or, or stadium than River, and of course he knew uh, the the dangerous players that from River. So yes, now it's quite easy to know about. Even that I of course didn't know about Caio. Now I, now I know much more because I I watched him play. Mm. Uh, so it's not. Uh, yeah, but you have level of responsibility because if you have, uh, don't watch an Alain game, yeah. you as Andreas are really have to, They'd already played two games at the Club World Cup. It's not like they were just going in yeah. into it and unknown uh, quantity. Uh, first, that, I mean, they, they were playing uh, uh, on the Club World Cup before playing for, uh, against River. But if you're, into the, if you're part of the, of the coaching staff, how will, how will you not know, know a little bit of, of the team you're, you're playing against? And that that you you can translate into any kind of David against Goliath kind of game because you want to watch a game of the Copa Argentina and then you have a little bit of, of surprises some 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 oh, times it can happen, uh, because it's football and anything can happen but clearly you you can see that if if you have a a, two, a, a pair of, of slow centre backs like like uh, some said and Montiel having problems to to cover his his uh, back. Uh, it's because you didn't know that Kai was going to play there. I mean, it's it's obvious that you have you didn't do enough research. Mm. I, um, I will say, in perhaps slight some amount of defence uh, here, because um, playing David, the devil's up. I, well, <laughs> no, I, I I happen to know the video analyst at River. Oh, you um, did. So um, I, I'm going to say I would be very surprised knowing him if he wasn't doing his job. What I no, I'm not saying the job wasn't done. It just seems like the coach think, and yeah, the yeah. players were still thinking of oh, Walker oh, and that. No, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, he wasn't yeah. normal. What, what I also think is that at some point, probably the squad were sat down and were shown the videos that I'm told that they're always shown about the opponents before every match, as a matter of course. And that the players just weren't concentrating because their heads are off in the clouds thinking, oh, we beat yeah. Boca, we're going to play yeah. Real Madrid. No, exactly. They, they were so, sleepless, so restless. Yeah. So exactly. uh, the, time, the time changes or shifts. Uh, the jet lag, all the, all that thing. Nah, from Madrid. To no, but they they, they, could, they said they said they couldn't change their their minds or their health to first Madrid, then then Abu Dhabi without any other. Uh, I mean, it was it was easier. Maybe again, I'm not saying that actually the the, the, the video analyst do something wrong, but maybe Algarve just think, okay, I'm gonna just play a normal team and let's do the players yeah, do their yeah. job and that's all. That I mean, well. or perhaps Martinez Cuarta was what aggressive for Madrid that he was really scared about Bale's pay soon. I was like, what <laughs> I heard is that Gallardo wanted the players to be focused on mm -hmm. Alain and other other members of the staff. I think it was the Sandra Rossi, the neurologist, is, mm -hmm. uh, said, well, it's impossible for them to be. Focused 100% in the match, even when, when it's uh, other people will say ah, that's an excuse. No, uh, well, nine days after uh, the, the, the final of the Copa Libertadores, which outside or, or the, the information in the media was the final of the world and the most important match in the history, it's impossible for them not to be uh, with that hysteria in their heads. And their, uh, well, of course, they wanted to win that match, which was 
really important. I know it's the most important in history. To, to put that, that adjective is perhaps not the best, but uh, yes, it was even from the same, from the, the very uh, uh, players or the, the, the members of the staff said it was difficult. Then you not winning or not defeating a line who will probably be clear, easily defeated by Real Madrid. Of course, that's nothing to do uh, with the uh, exalted or, 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 or that they are mentally blocked or, or, or that they are thinking on Boca. Yeah. You play the World Cup, club World Cup, and you have to somehow be focused or be concentrated. I think that's it's a shame really more than anything because yeah, it's very good. Riverside were obviously on a high. They've been playing decent football and they were theoretically going to play against a Madrid team that haven't been doing well, have just changed their coach, they're not really finding a, a coherent team. And you had the feeling that perhaps you couldn't say that River would have won it or they were even, you know, even just slight underdogs. Obviously they were underdogs, but it was kind of a game you could have imagined taking place on Saturday where River would have nothing to lose because they've, they'd already taken the title against Boca, so they throw everything at Madrid and it would be entertaining. And perhaps... If kind of the planets aligned, we might have an Argentine winner. It was something that it was a game to look forward to, and, yeah. and it's a shame that because of this kind of very lackadaisical attitude um, in the semi-finals, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Real Madrid was said that they there were several players uh, with some injuries or, or not very not not that they were one hundred percent, but. The only one who wasn't there was uh, against Kashima was Marco Asensio. Then mm. it was Modric, it was Kroos, Kroos, it was Marcelo, it was Benzema, it was Bale, uh, it were the Sergio Ramos, the, 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 the normal players, and they wanted to win this this World Club World Cup, as they said before. Not that they are uh, like happens normally with the European clubs that they go, they really go on vacation and say, well, yes, we will win this, and but we we, we care uh, much more about the. The Champions League. No, Madrid have always taken the Club World Cup pretty seriously. I think once they're there, most of the clubs yeah. do. I mean, they're, they're not going to be thinking about it until they get on the plane. But obviously, once the other they're thing there, is that just looking at the list that I had on Wikipedia, oh, it's on this other tab. That's why it's not going. I'm doing anything like that. This list that I've got on Wikipedia of the the finalists of the Club World Cup since it you know started, um, not counting the first one obviously in 2000, which was North Brazilian final. Um, but uh, since then, the teams who've lost the final from Europe, Barcelona in 2006 against Internacional, I think that was the one you were thinking of earlier, Tony, when you mentioned them, and we were arguing before recording. Um, Discussing but that, then, arguing this. But then all, all of the others, I mean, this obviously is, is heavily weighted by the fact that the vast majority of Champions League winners in that time have been from Southern Europe. Um, Man United beat LDU Quito in 2008. Chelsea famously lost to Corinthians in 2012. The other side, Barcelona, Inter, Real Madrid three times now uh, in, well, sorry, twice in a row um, and possibly three times in a row come the 22nd, which is what, Saturday. Um, Barcelona three times separately. Uh, Internazionale and AC Milan. And what I've heard, of course, because you and I, Dan, were, you know, born and brought up in, in a country which by and large considers the Intercontinental Cup and the Club World Cup a bit of an irrelevance. Indeed. Is that it's not as if in the Mediterranean countries they take it as seriously as in South America, but it is taken more seriously. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and so I think that there's, there's probably something in that. If you are a listener from Spain or Italy, uh, 
feel free to tweet in and tell us how seriously you think the World Cup should be, uh, the Club World Cup should be taken. Um, I'd be interested to to hear. But yeah, I mean, certainly in England, it's just nobody really gives a toss. Um, anyway, moving on from that, we're going to segue out of the Club World Cup. Um, because we have just been spending 23 minutes talking about something which I've just explained nobody gives a toss about in our the, the majority of our, our listenership. No, but it, Argentine and football cares about it and we care about Argentine football. So absolutely. Nice association. But we don't want to completely alienate people and we also don't want to go on for too long. So we're going to talk now before the break. Um, we're going to continue to talk about River, but we're going to talk about what comes next for River and then we're going to have a musical break and then after that we will talk, as I said last week, about what comes next for Boca as well. But first of all, River... Um, I'm going to have a lot of players on the way out, as I mentioned mm-hmm. at the start of the show. Um, don't think there are any actually signed deals yet, which is a bit goes against what I said last week or the week before because we thought Ezequiel Palacios and Gonzalo Martinez were already done deals. Apparently, they're not. They are all but done, but not quite signed and sealed and delivered, as a Stevie Wonder might say. Um, but there are some other names as well that are going to be on their way. Uh, do River have any idea who they want to bring in? Andres, have you heard anything? No, well, uh, the names of Cranavitar and Diusi are always there because they are not having their greatest times at Zenit in Russia. Uh, it's not easy, I think, and it will all depend, for example, if Cranavitar comes out, if what happens with Ponce, that I think mm. he will continue at least, at least six months more, mm-hmm. six more months. Uh, then about Palacios, it's not sure that he will move to Real Madrid. I, th- I think, especially if the if the if the Real Madrid board numbers watch Palacios' latest games against Boca and against Alain. Uh, well, uh, and if even if they sign him, I think that he will let him for six more, more months there in uh, at River. Uh, but uh, news about signings, I think there aren't uh, that much about apart from those players that. Could come back, but not, not in, it's not sure or, or, or confirmed. Hmm. Uh, so I think the only sure or for sure uh, player that will leave uh, will be Piti Martinez, who he himself said that he will leave after the World Club World Cup. I think Quintero as well sees his no, yes, probably that. Yes, probably that. Gonna leave, yeah. So, yeah, there, there are conflicting things about Quintero. I was watching one of the channels earlier, and they were talking about how he might very well end up staying. Cal Gachardo and Donofrio still have faith in him. Uh, I mean. Then Why I think they, they have, have to buy him, now, I'm like, not sure, yeah. given that he's just got a goal and an assist in the biggest match River have ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're, they're saying, oh yeah, we have confidence. Um, so he may or may not end up staying, or on the other hand, he might go off for millions and millions of dollars to China or to the Gulf or somewhere else. Well, well I Borre, suppose he'd be staying yeah. in the Gulf, wouldn't he? And Borre's another one, I believe he's 50-50, um, a River plan and, and an Atletico plan. Mm. And since he's done very well this season, my bet is that Atletico will take up their option to sign the rest of his but contract. River has the option to buy another percentage of his yeah. transfer for 3.5 million euro. I think. Uh, I don't know whether what hap- will, will happen if Atletico Madrid says no. I want him back because I. Yeah, I think that well, kind of Atletico would then have to pay that that clause yeah, out of the contract. Yeah, yeah I think they also have like expiration dates and stuff that mm-hmm. should. Uh, yeah. I, I did a little bit of. of uh, my homework because I, I was uh, googling yeah, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's such a question. And I, I read in the from Ole that uh, players that may may come to River other interest interest. Uh, Lisandro Martinez from Defensa Justicia mm-hmm. and Oscar Romero. I think you are more familiar. No, 
to Ole, replace Peter Martinez. Come to us. Again, this is this is from from Ole. I know yeah. it's just it's just doing a little bit. It's of kind of that name Tom Bowler thing where they just start yeah. lining up and chucking them against the wall, see what sticks. There was a poll the other day on these sports, which is not serious at all. Uh, <laughs> but they asked uh, River supporters whether they would like Cardona for to replace Pity Martinez, since Cardona won't. Apparently, won't they're nothing like so each other. That's like different. Boca Juniors playmaker Edwin Cardona. Yes. We're talking about not, yes. not the other Edwin one who Cardona. plays in Colombia yes. and has got an Erwin or Sherman or no. whatever it's called. No, that's Cardenas. Cardenas. Oh, Cardenas. Edwin Cardona, yes, the, the Boca playmaker. But there is another Cardona. Very good. Yes, from Gold Cruz, I think. Yeah. Yes. And another player. So. Another player uh, that is living in River. Sorry, Andres. No, no, uh, that uh, we, we forgot that is in River is Lolo. Ah, oh yes, that's right. Yes, it will be soliness. <laughs> yes, you, you oh. should you should express in words what you just said. Somewhere. Yeah, you, you you couldn't you can't see what I just did, but it's just, it, for viewers uh, listeners who are familiar with Alan Partridge, I basically did the the shrug thing. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't come across yeah. that well on the radio. <laughs> no, which is ironic since Alan Partridge was their radio personality. Indeed, um, but yeah, River have got a possibly a fair amount of rebuilding to do, but we don't know to what extent at the moment uh, we know Gasharados staying which is probably the most important thing he's, he's yeah. rebuilt River's team a number of times in the four Indeed. essentially four and a half years you know in, in footballing terms that he's, he's been there obviously it's not actually four years and six months but it will be pretty soon um, and he's lost key players before and managed to rebuild the team um, so from, from River's point of view that's probably the more important thing Tony has already mentioned they're not going to have much of a pre-season to run into during the, the summer break um, because they're going to be straight back to work on the Superliga, although, you know, knowing River, they'll probably treat those as pre-season friendlies because my one criticism of Gachardo, as long-term listeners know, is that he's not particularly placed any importance on the league um, during his time at River. And they do have one friendly, I've just remembered, against Nacional oh, in yes. or to celebrate, obviously, Nacional being uh, Gachardo's former team, um, the team he started out the team he ended as a player at and then started out his managerial career at, and they're going to have a sort of homage to him, I think on the 15th or something, that rings a bell. Mm-hmm. Um, that was announced yesterday. Um, so you said, no Super Classico Torneo de Verano. But they've also announced that today. Yeah, oh. There's not going to be a Super Classico. Oh, the, the authorities have said yeah, that. Yeah. What I know is that they will, be, they will be back on, on duty on the, 4th, the 4th of January. Mm-hmm. So they will have all, all 10 days, holidays, mm-hmm. more or less. And on the on Sunday, this Sunday, after they play against Kashimantras for the third place of the World Cup, World Cup, they will celebrate. Finally, celebrate with the supporters at the mm-hmm. Monumental, yeah. as it has been open. They said that they will be open for that celebration because uh, it uh, had been well uh, officially banned for for official matches, of course, not for for celebrations mm-hmm. uh, and and for carnival competitions, not for local. Or Argentinian league. Or oh, and I heard today, uh, following on from that, that um, in the Recopa Sudamericana, the stadium ban won't be in effect. Apparently, um, so they will, hold it, they will hold it for the first two Libertadores games and keep the Recopa as a two-legged. Affair. Oh, that's interesting because as we mentioned, I don't know if it's been confirmed, week. but I heard it from one of the sources on Twitter, which I which I must trust. Uh-huh. So as as we mentioned last week, for those who didn't listen last week, uh, the Condobol have been sort of umming and ahhing over whether they should play the Red Cop as two legs, which it was scheduled for originally, mm-hmm. um, or as a one-off match because they didn't want to... It, it gets decided in the 
home stadium of the uh, Libertadores winning team, um, and that would have meant that, uh, that that it would have been decided behind closed doors. Um, so that's an interesting solution to it. And Commodore, it's also a very obvious solution yes. to it. But. And Commodore also commented on the fact that River were going to have to play two games in a single day between the Recopa and the Libertadores. Oh yes. Tell us about this, I forgot about this. Yeah, just, um, so this week the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana uh, draws were made. We will talk about them after the break. We'll talk about this after the break. Um, And I think shortly after, maybe three or four hours after the draw was made, uh, they released the fixture list. Eagle-eyed River fans noticed an anomaly that um, their team were down to play two continental matches on the same day. I think it's their opening... Uh, group stage match, I can't remember against whom, and also either the, that would be the second leg of the mm. Copa, right? Because I think it's March it the fifth or on that. That was one of the mistakes. The other mistake was that they organised an entire round of the Libertadores on in an international week, which was very clever. And Comnebol have responded saying it's only provisional, and we can still change it. Like everything in Connaught. So, so yeah, the it's all... th- th- this is a part from the fact, by the way, that um, the uh, the group stage draw for the 2019 Copa Libertadores was supposed to. It, it was scheduled for months and months. It was scheduled to take place in Asuncion, as we record this now on Thursday evening. Yesterday, on mm-hmm. Wednesday, on the twenty, on the nineteenth. And last week, on like Friday last week, they they said they put out a press release saying, "Oh, we're going to do it on Monday instead." So the 2019 Libertadores is already off to as much of an administrative uh, wonderland as the 2018 one was run from. We can't um, wait. It's going to be fun. It's a really yeah. promising start to a tournament that doesn't in any way need to make up for some absolutely terrible things having happened over the last 12 months. And on that note, we're going to play some incidental music and we will come back afterwards and we will first of all discuss where next for Boca, having just sort of discuss where next for River. Um, obviously, that's a slightly easier question to answer in Bocca's terms because we're a little bit further along that road of knowing what's happening. Um, and then we will talk about that Copa Libertadores group, st- uh, group draw. Uh, the Sudamericana one, I think, has been made as well. We, yeah, we, yeah. We it was made before the, the Libertadores one, Sam. We can Looking mention the first round of that. Mere mortals and, uh, have played the Sudamericana. Um, and, uh, yes, anyway, that was the first half of the podcast. Come back in a minute for the second. Genius. Uh, as I said, they're a little bit further along the process of building for the second half of the season or the next calendar year. Are they really? They don't even have a coach. I'd say they're further. But they have a technical director. They have a director of football. This is true. Or yes. in Spanish, as it's somewhat confusingly known, a manager, uh, which does not mean manager in British English. It means director of football. Yeah, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Director técnico means. Manager. Manager. Yeah. Or, yeah. Sorry, correct me if Manager. I'm wrong if I can make a swift uh, interjection. The last manager that um, 
Boca had, I believe, was Bianchi, right? Yeah. Who, yeah. Were, who formed part of a double act with Alfio Basile. Yeah. Yes. It's been a vacant post. And they both that. resigned after a pre-season torneo de verano defeat yes. to River in 2010. Yeah, and, uh, I think that the only manager that, <laughs> manager. <laughs> that, 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 that it's do, they did a quite good job outside now uh, that comes to my mind are Francesco Del Milito. But Milito's not the manager. He is the Secretario Tecnico. The oh, come on. Secretary. Come oh, on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, he, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that he's doing basketball stuff. Yeah. Is that very different yes. to the manager? I believe it is fairly different to the manager. This is Ganaka Chan, right? The manager? Previously in Racing, we had uh, Roberto Ayala as a manager. Yeah, that's true. Oh, and that's he was true. awful. Yeah. So I think it's a question of, um, of vocabulary, really. If you call him a manager, it's going to fail, but if you give him some sort of other title, he could do well. I don't yeah. think. Another, another Francesco has got a different title as well, right? Just, just a thing with my... Anyway. Yeah. Another manager that <laughs> I remember, it's Batistuta. Juniors, if I can just talk all over, uh, over all of you. But anyway, sorry, but Boca had already had recently uh, a manager, or sorry, sports director, uh, like Juan Simón. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, well remembered. Okay, that, that was a uh, worthwhile so contribution. Not, not new. Um, but it has... It, he, he wasn't... Uh, in that position this year just gone and so Boca have um, filled a, a post that was vacant until fairly uh, well vacant until just now um, by appointing Guillermo Bordiso Nicolás Nicolás but for God's sake I knew I've been saying that in my head wrong all week <laughs> I keep wanting to tweet Guillermo and then correcting myself by appointing Nicolás Bordiso um to to the role and giving him the job his first job in fact is to decide who's going to be Boca's new boss and decide between quotation marks precisely at the end of the day Daniel Angelisi gonna Daniel Angelisi and he's basically been saying no we don't want these guys we want these people um famously if you spend any time at all on Argentine football Twitter you'll already be aware that Jose Peckerman um Gerardo Martino um, and various other names who were clearly never going to say yes to Boca or indeed any other Argentine club have said no to Boca mm. and lots of River fans are having a lot of fun with that and also you know, lots of non-River fans who just happen to be fans of clubs who aren't Boca mm. are laughing at them which I think is a little bit harsh because as I say those, those names are never going to say yes to any club in Argentina they, 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 don't have, mm. you know, they may as well approach Jose Mourinho in fact apparently Angelisi did ask earlier this week about uh, how much Antonio Conte would want um, and was yeah half Argentina probably <laughs> yes yeah, apparently he had such a good relationship with Tevez and yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that was one of probably bollocks rumor but anyway um, Bordiso's options have basically been narrowed down to one because uh, who was the first player I've forgotten who the other person was but it's now Gustavo Alfaro three actually go on um, according to what has been said today on the TV and that. Um, Three guys. There was originally a shortlist of four, three of whom have history with um, Uragan, which, as some long-term listeners of the pod might know, is apparently the club of um, of Daniel Angelic. Oh, this is the old. Oh. It's the old um, rumor rumor that yeah. he's actually a, an Uragan fan rather than a, than a Boca fan. Interesting. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily rule him out to be a good you know sporting director or a good mm. sporting official I think the fact he's not comes yeah. is for other reasons that, that, that's much more yes. um, so the four were 
I might do what Sam just did actually now because there are a lot of guys with this surname. One of the guys is um, Antonio Mohamed, who mm-hmm. has recently been at Monterrey of M- in Mexico, Celta, Spain, where he lasted about six games. Uh, Independiente, of course, where, where he won the Sudamericana. I believe that was his possibly his last Argentine job. Yeah, of course. Um, that's one option. Another option, which seems the, the most likely at the moment, is the current Huracan boss, <coughs> Gustavo Alfaro, who is actually higher in the table than Boca right now. Although if Boca won the game in hand, they have because of all this Copa Malaki, they would go above Huracan. Uh, the guy who apparently now has been uh, rubbed off because Borisa doesn't like him Steady. is... Yeah, well, that, 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 that's a bit... You know, we're a family podcaster. That's not a... You know what. Uh, is... Oh, let's see if I can get this right. right. Eduardo Dominguez? Yes. Yes. Ah, oh, well done. Get him. Of course, I've forgotten about him. Just have a Another ex coach? He, in fact, was the person whose name I was trying to remember because yes. I thought he told yeah. them to piss off earlier today, but... I don't know if he told them to piss off or Boca told him to piss off. Someone told someone to piss off. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Yes, and that's cur- cur- the currently uh, Colón, the Santa Fe manager. Current Colón. No, the ex-Colón Santa Fe manager. They have a new coach. Oh, um, a guy Fuerte called Comesano. Oh, yes. Yes, the Fuerte was the, 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 the uh, caretaker. And then, yeah. Yeah. Now it is the oh. ex-junior coach, Junior, yeah. Comesania. That, that, I can't remember that, his first name. That, uh, anyway, we're getting off track uh, again. Yeah, we do, we do. Sorry. And the last name on this apparent shortlist has no connection that we're aware of to Huracan, which makes him a distinct outsider. Uh, Rolando Eschiavi, who was obviously a Boca player. He had a couple of spells there. And I believe he is also... In charge of their the reserves, reserves yeah. or youth teams, yeah. yeah. So, Alfaro looks like he's got the, the inside track at the moment. But Angelisi, we were seeing a thing, I think, when I walked in on your television, that the, the headline was saying that Angelisi was in disagreement with the idea of signing Alfaro. Mm. Well, he doesn't want to hurt Huracan, obviously. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't know whether Daniel Angelisi is just fundamentally much like uh, the people who run Manchester United misunderstood what a director of football is supposed to do. No, I think sorry, but I think that he didn't want Eduardo uh, Dominguez to be at Boca because he's the the husband of Brenda Bianchi, the Bianchi's daughter. This oh, is another theory, the, yes. Right, yes, 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 and he doesn't want any Bianchi surnames <laughs> there. Uh, that's what they said in the, on TV. Sounds hilarious, but well, it's Argentina. I mean, it does sound quite funny to me because, for example, my dad used to work in a bank in in central Bristol, and my mum never went anywhere near his office. No. So I can't really see why being married to somebody with that name would necessarily affect his work. But um, I don't know. To be fair, every weekend the bank doesn't get together and kind of show off their banking skills. To a wider public, so it's well, it's slightly different. Your bank might not. Die. <laughs> it's true. I never banked in Bristol. No, the the bank that my dad did certainly did, and that's one of the reasons that the financial crash happened about ten or fifteen years ago. In there the we UK. go. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, Boca names out, names in. What are we expecting over the next little while? Because okay, there's no manager in place at the moment, or there is at the moment, because we're still another eleven days away from Guillermo Barrasekelotto's contract actually being allowed to, to run out. Um, but uh, are there any rumours transfer-wise apart from who's going to be the boss? Oh, the usual is Pavon. Pavon, yeah. a lot of European teams, although 
I don't think his form over the last three months would have done For what I heard today, it was Crystal Palace or Burnley. To Ooh, like because three months ago it was Arsenal. Yeah, because they, they don't want to anymore. Yeah. Because he has an awful semester. For yes, he was. To be honest, he's a very good player. But he he's a good player, but he was didn't poor. have the best the best uh, semester. So now it's Burnley and Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Well, Sandra Magashan is always tempted to go to Ajax. I think that's almost a done deal, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah. a done deal. Um, and they're going to replace him with Walter Kahneman. Seemingly definitely. Uh, for what I read, no. I think really? the. Yeah, Kahneman yeah. went on television and took the piss out no, of No, no. The, 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 I think their options are. Uh, well, they stick to Paolo Volz or Berardi, which is a youngster that Juventus want to buy. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was saying. Um, before we start to record it, I, I think it's, it would be a good idea to work out to try one of the youngsters that go to Europe eventually mm. instead of selling before they they do something in the in the first team. Yeah. Then yeah. we go Nandes. Yes. The, it's a, apparently a dispute between Atletico Madrid and Calgary. And actually, the, the, right now on TV, the, the, the agent of uh, Naitan Nandes said that if, if he stays at Boca, it's because he's better paid basically they want more money specific, no, 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 specifically yeah. to be the best player the best player in the squad, squad. Yeah. I think it's a bit too much which right? is we have squad Tevez. which contains Carlos Tevez and Maro Sarate Tevez who is staying yes, he confirms that he will fight out another oh, that'll be an enormous relief for all supporters of clubs other than Boca Juniors <laughs> <laughs> then there are, there are rumors like uh, Cardona uh, Pablo me. Perez but nothing uh, done it's more about how many players are going to leave right now than instead of how many how much are they going to yeah. come into yeah. to, to Boca? I don't think we're going to see much movement on this until uh, a coach is in. Yeah, because probably. Because obviously, yeah. the coach, we were saying before recording actually that Akilichi is the guy who pretty much makes all those kind of decisions in Boca <laughs> and he probably will carry on doing this even if like Akilichi is there. But I think even Akilichi will try and at least uh, keep the pretense of listening to other people that aren't yeah. him. And not and wait until there's someone sitting on the bench before he decides to massacre half the squad and and spend another fifty million dollars. Talking about Huracan, do, do, do you remember that before they they, they get uh, Lampe, they were talking about Diaz, the goalkeeper Marco to go Diaz, to Boca. Yes, yeah, so maybe Marcos Diaz going to Boca in exchange of Rossi, which is make no sense because Rossi is younger and has. Would Marcus Diaz want to go to Boca? To I don't know. I guess he would get a significant pay rise. So yeah, probably. he wouldn't necessarily be sitting on the bench. I mean, he's no, he's not better. Than no, no, Andrea wasn't so good the last matches. He 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 played so he played one match after coming back from a broken jaw. <laughs> can I just say right? I mean, obviously it, he would be brought in. Marcos Diaz could be brought into Boca to provide a bit more competition for Andrada than than Rossi mm-hmm. necessarily uh, it gives him week in week out. But poor Carlos Lampe. Poor Carlos Lampe. Obviously, he's being paid much more at Boca than at whichever club he was at before. A Chilean I can't club, uh, can't remember. Um, I'm, I'm sure that he is. And, you know, he, he claims to have been a Boca fan since a young age and everything. Um, but, you know, to, to go there and essentially just have been sitting on the bench for the entire time when he was brought in specifically to be their Copa Libertadores goalkeeper <laughs> when Andrade broke his jaw. Um, just sort of in, in a way it's difficult not to look at it and go oh you poor guy yeah. mm. obviously in, you know, in a few years time he might very well still be Boca's third choice goalkeeper and be doing a bit of a Winston Bogart but 
you know, for the moment, I feel sympathetic for him. Apart from that, Lampe might have thought, well, they couldn't bring Buffon and they bring me. So, mm. it's... At least he has a Copa Libertadores runners-up medal. I mean, not every yeah. player can say that. Yeah. The least and wanted Copa Libertadores runners-up medal yeah. in history. Indeed. If, if we're going to extend the whole thing about... Medal's a medal. Well. Maybe if he falls in hard times, he can sell it later. Yeah. But it's, it's still, I think, he deserves a chance. I mean, it's not a bad goalkeeper at all. But he only came yeah. for this Libertadores, I think, right? I think, He's heading I think, back. No, but I think, I, I think that they bought it. No, they, they bought it. They bought it, yeah. They yeah. bought him. yeah. 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 Yeah, so why the hell would they want Marcos Diaz? Well, that was kind of the point yeah, that I was the, trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mystery. <laughs> so I listened to that before nine that they still had this Bolivian number one on their ranks as well. No, mm. What the hell is going on with Boca? Watch this space because it's <laughs> a complete mess at the moment and until they get a coach, which they really need to do soon, um, yeah, I think it's going to carry on being quite hilarious. Um, Indeed yeah. it is. And we're now going to move on Pardon me. Um, to the Copa Libertadores group stage. Which and Sudamericana, please. And the Sudamericana um, first round draw, which is the round of 128 or whatever the fuck it is. Um, 44 t- teams, I believe, were, went into the first round draw, which will obviously be supplemented from of the... Of course, there's some of them coming later. second preliminary round, the third preliminary round. I can't remember if they did cuts <sighs> in each of those or just the third. It's the... Third preliminary round losers go to the Sudamericana. Yes. And then the third teams in the group stage. Yeah. So the second and first preliminary rounds do not provide no, I don't th- No, I don't think they do. There we go. Um, just as soon as your computer actually agrees to load coppolivertodoris.com. Mm-hmm. No? And if not, then actually I could just bring it up on Wikipedia, couldn't I? Probably it's easier. Ah, Tony's got it on his phone. Thank you, Tony. No worries. That's very useful. <laughs> so, the Copa Libertadores 2019 group stage looks like this. Group A, um, River Plate, obviously going to spot one of Group A as the defending champions. Internacional of Brazil, Alianza Lima of Peru, and the other one is the winners of qualifying stage G4. Don't even try and do the calculations, so it's just B, too hard. C4 versus C5. Oh, we're going to try on the fly. <laughs> it's going to be either Palestino, Independiente Medellin, San Paulo, or Tacheres de Córdoba, mm-hmm. um, which could turn out, in fact, probably will turn out if it's the winners of those four, to be a pretty tricky Considering yeah. it's, a, it's a third round qualifier, because it could be two Argentinians or two Brazilians, mm. depending on results. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, group B is Cruzeiro, Emelec, Huracan, and Deportivo Lara, um, which for Huracan looks tricky, um, I would say. Uh, group C is Olimpia of Paraguay, Sporting Cristal of Peru, Godoy Cruz, and Universidad de Concepcion of Chile, which is interesting. Group D. There are no Argentines in this one, but we'll mention it anyway. Peñarol, Flamengo, uh, two giants. Liga de Quito, also a giant. And San Jose of Bolivia. Not so giant. <laughs> At least on continental, in continental terms. Group E, also no Argentines yet. Actually, let me just check who winner G1 would be. G1, C1 or C8. That is Danubio, Atletico Mineiro. Uh, Barcelona de Guayaquil. No, so there are not going to be any Argentines in this group, but let's go down again to it. Group B, Nacional of Montevideo, Cerro Porteño of Asunción, Paraguay, and Zamora 
of Venezuela, as well as one of the clubs I've just mentioned, or possibly another one, because I couldn't be asked looking at who were the other winners. Group F, Palmeiras, San Lorenzo, Atletico Junior, and a qualifier from G2, who I'm not going to scroll back up and check. Um, that one looks potentially tricky for San yeah, Lorenzo. In indeed. fact, it looks nigh impossible for San Lorenzo, given their current form, but we'll see. Uh, we're going to talk about all of these in more detail in a minute when I've gone through all of them, by the way. Uh, group G, Boca Juniors, the newly renamed Copa Sudamericana winners, Atletico Paranaense, Jorge Wilstermann of Bolivia, and Deportes Tolima. Think Boca would be very happy with that group. Yeah, you would think so. And yet, I still, after this group draw was made, saw Boca fans on Twitter complaining that Comebol is a big River Plate supporting conspiracy. <laughs> after the two groups that we've just read out involving River and Boca, uh, and Group H: Gremio, Universidad Católica of Chile, Rosario Central, and a playoff winner G3, uh, which will probably be. Let's try and do this one more time because I quite enjoyed it. C3 versus C6. <laughs> Uh, the strongest Libertad, Atletico Nacional, or Deportivo La Guayra, Real Gassi. So probably Atletico Nacional. Yeah. That could be an interesting group, though. Yeah, I think other Argentinians, upset for Boca, have quite between uh, uh, an even contest or having an uphill battle. Let's see how the other groups, like, no group really stands out as kind of. That group of death, right? Yeah, it's not like Napoli, Paris Saint-Germain and Liverpool, for example. No, and I but think even uh, in last year's Libertadores, there were certain groups that just looked like, oh, fuck, we're anyway, <laughs> out of this. Anyway, the Brazilian sides, the last years, even, well, Gremio winning the 2017 Cup and, and uh, arriving to the semi-finals of 2017, yeah. of, of this year, sorry, uh, have not been in, in the last years that... Uh, monster or, or, or no, team that you will say, oh, it's a Brazilian team. So yes, of course, it's by mm-hmm. names are, are are difficult. Grêmio or or, or even Atlético Paranaense that I, I watch them play against Junior and they are not a disaster. They are quite decent team. Or even Palmeiras, Flamengo. But uh, you you hear those names and you perhaps get scary, but. Uh, arm that uh, dangerous team that used to be yeah then you, then, uh, you have Palmeiras the play against Boca and the play of nothing basically mm. they got badger <laughs> in a sense but uh, m- most about the names of the Brazilian teams you, you have the other teams they have some kind of advantage if you want between uh, playing in, in, in the Altura and and, yes. and also being not not known that um, may come as a surprise for Argentinian teams that doesn't have the resources like Boca and River to... Jorge Wilstermann, the one that they defeated River 3-0 in the first leg of the round of 16 was? Mm-hmm. It was the... Yes, it was the round of 16. Yeah. In, in last year's yes. Libertadores when Nacho Scocco yeah. scored five goals in the second leg. Yeah, and so we, we, we are used in the Copa Libertadores to have this kind of games that seems to, to be... Uh, Easy on paper, mm. but then bite you in the uh, yes. And yet, somehow, even though that's part of Libertadores tradition, the fans never seem to learn. They always look at one and go, "Oh, this team's got a really easy group." And you're like, "No." <laughs> there, there are essentially in the Libertadores, there are very, very, very few easy groups. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick one game out based on their performances during 2018. Both clubs, only the matches I've seen, obviously. Um, 
Palmeiras versus San Lorenzo and San Lorenzo versus Palmeiras mm-hmm. are going to be, unless both teams improve and employ really quite a different style to what they have done in the last 12 to 18 months, are going to be the two worst matches of the group stage. Yeah. But then San Lorenzo have got Almiron. Now he's known for fairly decent attacking football. Perhaps he is they here could be, because uh, of his time at Lanús. But if yeah. you ask anybody who's been watching the Colombian league over the last well, year, yeah. that's the and they, they, he could even win a match. And San Lorenzo still, um, he, they play four matches. Yeah, three or four. Yeah, something four. like that. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I think that he's probably going to improve San Lorenzo given yes. the summer break, given the transfer window and given a proper pre-season with the players. Um, but based on how they both managed to qualify for this tournament, uh, based on how Palmeiras looked in getting to the semi-finals and then being just stinking the place out really against Boca um, in the semi-finals of the Libertadores, I think that's going to be a couple of pretty dull matches. Um, Who won the Brazilian league in the end? I'm, I know this is unforgivable ignorance, but did Palmeiras retain it? I think they retained it, if I remember rightly. Talking about Palmeiras, really to, to go uh, away a little bit, and we, we talk about Boca and I forgot about it. Uh, Felipe Melo said that wants to come to Boca. Felipe Melo. Is that right? I mean, that's really, yeah. That'd be interesting, definitely. <laughs> right. um, the 2018 yes. uh, Serie A Brasileiro was won by Palmeiras. Yeah, let me just wow. have a look for the table. Uh, oh, by a mile as well. Eight yeah, yeah. points clear of Flamengo. Um, 64 goals scored and 26 conceded in 38 games but having said that that 64 games scored in 38 matches is the top scoring team I don't think that, that is frighteningly low for the top scoring team to get fewer than two goals a game mm. is that much different than the talks, Argentine talks, top division talks a lot about Brazilian football that like, like we said it went a little bit off track I think from the style of well, yeah, I mean, that's something that's been coming for, for quite a few years. Quite now, a few right? years, yeah. Victoria, yeah, yeah. safety first, defence. Plus, the Brazilian system's that an absolute joke. They play games in the middle of the World Cup. They play yeah. in, in the middle of Copa America. They, they, they play yes. half their games with reserves. I mean, Victoria, the club that were... You Parmenas, know, I reckon, between Libertadores, between the World Cup international rounds and all that. They probably played a good half of the season with, with an understrength team. Yeah. To answer your question now, that you made just now, uh, Boca last season scored 50 goals in 27 matches, which is almost two in two, yeah. two in yeah. two per game. was significantly below two per game. Um, so yeah, it, it's lower. That's, that's talking purely in terms of excitement, of course, rather than necessarily quality. But still, and Boca weren't particularly exciting in two thousand. Aside from the goals. No, they, they had their moments. And but, um, there is an, a player that played for Boca, now it's Vitoria, that has gone to the B. So he's from the B now. Uh, Walter Bow. The, oh, the uh, brother of Gustavo. Yeah. And the Sudamericana draw. I think just to the Argentine teams. Yeah, because you're going to ask for it. Oh, we're well, definitely. <laughs> 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 Completely insane. Um, 2019 Copa Sudamericana. Oh, the first round of this looks as f- oh hang on they've drawn the first stage sorry which is the qualifying round really isn't it um, we have got Independiente Dan has already laughed at this one once versus, once I've been laughing about it all week well once in our presence yes uh, versus Binacional <laughs> um, 
of uh, Peru. I, I can't imagine why he finds that particular club name so funny. No, it's a mystery. Yeah. Um, Argentinos Juniors play Estudiantes de Mérida of Venezuela. Deportivo Municipal of Peru play Colón. Um, I'm not sure which way round these fixtures are listed. Hang on, in the first stage each time. No, Wikipedia doesn't mention which, which team are playing first and which team are playing second at home. Um, the next Argentine flag down this list belongs to Racing. Hey. Oh, that's quite a tough tie down. Had you not seen this before? No, I haven't. Seriously? No, no. Of course not. <laughs> Why do you laugh then? Do you, don't you prefer V Nacional? Racing are playing it's Corinthians. It's a funny name. I know it is, but yeah. do you prefer V Nacional than Corinthians? The Corinthians are the ones that got to be scared about Racing on current form. And given what you did to them last time you played them. Indeed, in, yeah. In, um, okay. competition. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a few teams you know, I've never even heard of that perhaps would have been. Is it, but as we were saying before, in South American football, you can never underestimate your, your opposition right there are always so, one of my favourite draws in fact um, I haven't actually looked at this year's one because I'm, I'm becoming slightly disillusioned with everything and there were other things to do for me for the last few days but one of my favourite things to do sometimes is look at the all of the qualifying draws for the Sudamericana and then Google where some of the teams are from so we'll take you through some of the more amusing ones in a minute but there are two Argentine clubs left in the draw those are Union who are playing Independiente del Valle um, who are the team who reached the was it the Libertadores like yes. semi-finals finals finals Final. the, of course they did yes the, they, they lost to Boca. River and Boca they Two, lost to Atletico Nacional right yeah. two years ago 2016 right? yeah. um, and Botafogo play Defensa y Justicia which is the third time in a row I think we were saying before we recorded that Defensa y Justicia have been drawn against a Brazilian side well done Andres for remembering that one um, and in the I think both of the previous occasions they've put them out so yes. although on certainly last year they put San Paolo out in the first round you think well defensive was this year continental minnows um, but that should be an interesting time and now for as I said the, the favourite bit of this which is looking at funny teams and where they come from Binacional are one in fact <laughs> playing Independiente I, I'm not laughing so much at the name um, but I my understanding is that they have come relatively recently into the top flight in Peru it was their first season in the in the Peruvian top flight the, in 2017, they won the best competition on the yes. face of the planet, the Copa, Copa Peru. Peru, which involves about 3,000 teams playing and several pitch invasions and God knows what. It's just fantastic. And anyone can participate I think, there. I think actually winning the Copa Peru should just give you an automatic place in there, Libertadores. <laughs> but the, the, if the Peruvian Football Federation can make this happen, that'd be very best thing What, what it actually gives you is an automatic place in the Peruvian top division for well, the next yeah. season, just so that everybody's aware of it. The best thing is that I think that if you move to Peru and yes. get 10 more friends, you, you can, can enter the cup of You can play that there. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's, there's a, uh, a team playing with the Manchester City kit. I'm not joking. <laughs> you can Google it. Uh, the next team I've just never heard of down in this draw are playing against the Chilean side Union Española, uh, which is where um, Martin Palermo is managing still, right? Yes. A name who's still also there. been mentioned in connection with the Boca Juniors job. Mm. Um, and that, that club, the club who are playing them, are Mushuk Runa Sporting mm-hmm. Club, an Ecuadorian football club, Wikipedia tells us, based in Ambato, Ecuador, founded on January the 2nd, 2003. Oh, and that is all that it tells us. It also, the, Wiki, the English version, tells us that they play an Ecuadorian Serie B. And they have an, which an, an awesome nickname. Sound right to me. Um, What's the nickname? 
El Ponchito. El Ponchito. Awesome. Oh, I've got a guy translate in... that for our non-Spanish speaking. Uh, poncho, poncho, poncho is yeah. like uh, the other the, the poncho, the, 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 the... Yeah, little poncho. Yeah. Uh, other other nicknames according to their Spanish Wikipedia page include La Pura Sangre or the Pure Blood, El Equipo del Pueblo or the Team of the People. So Diego Maradona and Carlos Tevez ought to like them. Um, and <laughs> La Frialdad Indígena. The indigenous coldness. Coldness. <laughs> Well, coolness, I guess, would be a better uh, translation, right? It's kind of, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, good luck to them. Um, Deportivo Santaní of Paraguay are playing uh, 2004, I think it was, champion, uh, Copa Libertadores champions, Once Caldas. Um, they were founded in 2009. Wow. So, good for them. Um, and then what others are we oh blimey there's a oh, this is Ecuador the... versus Bolivia tie between Macará and Guabirá who are two clubs I've never heard of and um, another Bolivian club Royal Paris <laughs> anyone who are playing Monagas in Venezuela no, no who idea. have been in continental competition fairly recently that can't be a real club that just just never sounds, heard of them yeah like they've put two random verbs together to Royal <coughs> Paris create a team Based in Santa Cruz de la Sierra and founded in 2002. A lot of these clubs are really, really new, which at least makes me feel a bit better about never having bloody heard of them before. I think this is also their first season in the in the top flight. Because, I mean, if you look at the Bolivian Primera, I believe they only have about 12 or 14 clubs. Yeah. They have also four Libertadores spots and I think four Sudamericana spots. So if you which can finish throw up a eighth yeah. in the Bolivian Primera, which... It's no mean feat. I mean, it's not easy, I'm sure. But that gives you access into South There's American competition. Uh, a, a curious thing about the Bolivian uh, Premier Division. 14 clubs, yeah, in, in yeah. total, and they're playing two. Oh, no, hang on. Serie A and Serie A. Oh, I think those are two groups of the first division, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. Uh, there's uh, um, a, a little curiosity that you, there's no uh, limit of how young you can be to play in Bolivia. I did know that actually. Yeah, you can be 13 years old. If yes. you're good enough, you can play. I wrote about this the other day when there was one player, Valdivis, Valdivieso, the 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 the, the, the son, son of the of, coach, yeah. the famous coach and former player, right? Yeah. Uh, who played when he was 12? Yeah, did made his first team debut in in Bolivia, and they kicked the shit out. Well, yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> but he's still playing, apparently. I think he's 20-odd now, and he, he plays. like He's won a, a league title in Bolivia. He's still right now. Before Sam goes on this... Uh, oh, there are, there are not, we've exhausted all of them. Oh, okay. All of the others are clubs I've heard of. There's so. just a little thing, because Colo Colo plays against Universidad Católica, but not the Chilean one, the one from Ecuador. Oh, well spotted. So it's, it's, yeah. it's like... Curious because they're rivals in Chile, so it's yeah. it's interesting in, in in a kind of way. <laughs> and therein concludes this week's episode. I think. Um, Any questions? We have, oh, we've got questions, haven't we? Yes, yeah, so we've not quite concluded this week's episode. Uh, questions. Bud Bundy sent this one a few days ago. He said, "Maybe Andres will know best." But what is the story behind Ricardo Gareca joining River in 1985 after all of his years at Boca before that? Well, I have not uh, investigated about that, but I will do, I promise. So we'll tell you again in the new year, but yes. uh, sorry for that um, potentially disappointing. Um, 
uh, answer. Uh, Oscar Per Mulder says, how long do you see Nicolas Burdiso's position in Boca lasting? Do you think that Angelisi... <laughs> we've actually already touched on this one. Do you think Angelisi will let him do his job and give him free hands? Or will he keep interfering and force things to be done his way? The spoiler, yes. The latter, most likely. Yeah, it's going to last between two weeks yeah. and six months, probably. You reckon that? Really? Well, it depends on results. I think you pay lip service to keeping him in the uh, church for a bit longer. I don't know. I, I don't think so. We could start a poll up, actually. Who will last longer? New coach, whoever he is. Borisa or Ankenich? Ankenich has got until... When, when are Boca's elections? That's December. Yeah, that's December. It depends if he manages to get to the end of his term. Because yeah. there's a lot of Boca but, fans who are not very happy. I see two outcomes. If... The new manager uh, does a good semester. Maybe everyone will say, oh, what's Bordisa doing? Like, okay, everything was done by the manager and, and Angelici, Angelici, sorry. And if all goes bad, well, head's going to roll, I of suppose. Of course, Tony will know the story of the last Boca president who didn't finish his term. He Bombilia. died. Yeah, he died in a, with a prostitute. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. He, he, during he, a marathon sex session with a... He died of a heart condition, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that led Macrium, right? That was and if any Boca Juniors affiliated yeah. lawyers are listening to this, please disregard the last thing that was said. <laughs> how, um, how much changed that one night after Macrium came in in Boca and then in Argentina? It's really... You wow. can chart a lot back to, yeah. to that one alleged incident. Joshin Thunder Lager, who may or may not be trying to get a bit of free sponsorship out of us, says, do you think European clubs missed out on not buying Barco? No. I think he's done that much in Atlanta, right? No, he didn't. I think he's going to come in a little bit more now that Miguel Almiron's on the way out. I think Barco is going to become a more important part of the club. Well, the... the, No, Miguel Almiron. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the player. But uh, he he was a little. One? I have one. We're even. <laughs> he was criticized <laughs> a lot for the Atlanta supporters mm. because he was super expensive for mm. for MLS standards, and he didn't do that much. But he's still really young. He's, he's I mean, super young. He's been there for a year now, and he's still only and he, eighteen, or right? He and he was. Or or there was, was a couple of discipline problems too, right? There yeah, was, yeah. He, he was fighting with yeah. supposedly tried to yeah. pull one of his teammates' girlfriends or something like that. Yeah. And he he was called for the under twenty, so he's actually super young. Mm. He was called for the twenty under twenties for the next month. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good step for for him because I think right now MLS is a little bit more competitive in Argentinian football, but yeah. uh, it's still. The, the decision or the, the judges out there yet and he could do it in Europe yeah I, I think Atlanta's whole philosophy obviously and, and a philosophy that MLS increasingly um, collectively is, is trying to um, uh, embody but Atlanta in particular I do is to act as a finishing school for Latin American players um, before sending them on to Europe hence Almiron's move hence now wanting to sign Gonzalo Martinez from River um, and so I don't think that European clubs necessarily need to regret it because they can find out that they can allow Barco to mature in a better paid slightly more stable much less Barra Brava intensive atmosphere for example than he had to and also it, it turns out as well in a less um, probably I'm assuming um, a, a club with not quite so many paedophiles in it because he was one of the players who was named in the Independiente um, yes. child sex scandal um, earlier in the year um, 
and to you know a, a allow him to start to flourish and to get a sense as well of how well he can adapt to foreign clients before bringing him over to Europe. Mm. And so I said this at the time, I said it when he was signed, I would not be surprised at all if in five years' time he's playing for a European club. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's playing for a middling European club, but I also wouldn't be surprised, given his ability while he was here, if he's playing for a very, very big European club. But I don't think that necessarily means that anybody's going to regret not having signed him when they could have done. Um, Andres is making hand signals at me from across the table. And I don't think they're insults. I think he might have been searching for Ricardo Gareca. So let's uh, yeah, yeah, take so it away, Andres. I, I made the research because the, the, well, the listener asked something that I think he deserves to be answered. <laughs> and uh, yes, I found the story that is the title of the website I, 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 I look for. says, The Cursed Transfers. Because uh, it was not only Gareca, it was Ruggeria as well as, as Gareca, the ones who moved from Boca to River. And the explanation is that they, they Boca uh, so differently to what, uh, their situation now. They were in an, an economical, hard economical situation that their, their worst moment was in 1984. Mm -hmm. That's why they didn't, Gareca and Ruggeri didn't uh, get their wages. Oh, they nearly went bankrupt, didn't they? Bob? Yes, yeah. because Actually, of the Maradona transfer, right? Yeah, they basically pawned their whole future on Maradona. Yes. Mm. They, they they actually had to play a game with with white shirts. Is that right? And yes. put the the names with with uh, um, I can come up with the name is the Fibras, the like markers. Yeah, yeah, they had to put the, the markers, really? the name of the markers with a white. Shirt. That crap only happened to Racing in the eighties, though. <laughs> Yeah, they, anyway, they, they didn't sign the uh, new contract and they weren't. Uh, they received only 20% of the wages they, they should have uh, uh, be paid. And uh, the, the syndicate or the union that worked, the trade union of the of, uh, players, uh, got the, the freedom for them. So that's, that's why River signed them on, I think, free agents. Mm. Uh, and of course, well, Boca supporters thought they, that was a betrayal. Retail and some others understood that that they well they were not uh, being paid and, and they had to work anyway. Yeah. And, uh, and go to one of very few clubs in Argentina who were going to pay the same wages as as Boca were paying. Well, yes. as Boca were contracted to play the market. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that's very un un unlikely to happen now because if, if there is a club or a, a team with a lot of money, it's Boca right now. Mm. So it's 20, 34 years mm. ago. Well, so I've had. Um, a few people comment, like not uh, just generally talking about these kind of situations that um, in the 80s and probably even in the 90s, it really wasn't that much of a big deal. You had quite a few players who would go from River to Boca or Boca to River, perhaps not directly as in this case, but kind of with an intermediate club and no even one now, I mean, really cared. That's surprisingly uh, frequent now. I mean... Jonathan Maidana, yeah, no. who's just won his second Libertadores with River, is actually his third Libertadores win overall, and the first mm -hmm. one was yeah. with Boca. Prato. Um, Lucas Prato as well, yeah. With, yeah, I mean, but these are guys, who didn't, these yeah. guys that didn't Prato's really part, feature but. much, like, they weren't kind of identified with no, no, that no, club no, so much. No. So, like, it's something that I think happens more in previous times, but if you, I mean, you couldn't imagine a situation now where, say, someone like uh, Davis. Nah, Tevez, that would be so fun. I don't know. That would be fun. Let's say Pablo Perez, yeah, the one, yeah. or someone very identified with Boca, went to River, or I don't know. Yeah, or sure. a Ponce or a Piti Martinez going to Boca. It just yeah. couldn't happen, like, I don't think. No, no. I think both sets of, of fans would be like, nah, 
Are you crazy? This isn't going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, in some ways, that you know, that, that's that's part of the polarization that we've complained about in recent yeah, weeks exactly. for various reasons, um, and it's not necessarily a good thing. But yeah, it used to be a more healthy place, I suppose, and economically, just as unhealthy place. Um, next question up is from Dara Hussey, who says, "I hope I pronounced your names correctly, Dara." Um, can Boca and River do more to keep their top players? If they're going to Europe, obviously it's almost impossible to stand in their way, but players going to Brazil or MLS can only be financially motivated, presumably. They wouldn't be going to better quality leagues, it could be argued. I actually responded to him from this because I needed, I wanted a little bit more clarification. I said, you're suggesting that the ones going to Europe aren't financially motivated. And he agrees. He says, oh no, of course they would be. But the chance to play in Europe could potentially develop a player into a world superstar plus playing in the top leagues and for some of the Champions League. Going to Brazil or the United States wouldn't be offering anywhere near that level football-wise. No, if Argentine teams paid as much as European teams, players would say in Argentina... I have absolutely no doubt about that and obviously it happened for a long time even with a wage gap which perhaps wasn't as um, as egregious as it is today but it existed you know in the 80s and 90s yeah. um, where players you know you saying we say you take a player like Borgini he could have gone to any club I think in, in Europe in his time and, and then significantly more not 10 times more or 20 times more as he does today but he chose uh, to stay in the Benienden because you ask any player who's come through the ranks of one of Argentina's biggest clubs their football goals at least while they're in Argentina are to win titles Copa Libertadores Club World Cups everything with their club that's the be all and end all then when they go to Europe, you see, as we mentioned earlier, guys like Drusi, uh, Leandro Paredes, Granadita. Um, they went to Zenit, and they kind of know in Zenit they're never going to win the Champions League. They're never going to do anything apart from have decent seasons in the Russian First Division, but they're earning wages that are just simply impossible here. And if they get a decent break, they might go to a club with an outside chance of getting to the last 16 or the quarterfinals of the Champions League because let's be honest European football is such a close shot these days that if you're not playing for Real Madrid Barcelona Juventus Bayern and possibly City Paris Saint-Germain maybe possibly yeah if you're not playing for one of six or seven clubs you're not going to win the Champions League you're not going to win major titles and how many players logically in the world can play for those seven teams but it always comes down to the economics because it's economics as as we discussed last year when when Marco went to Atlanta um, these players are often from quite poor families um, quite poor areas Um, if they 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 might be okay uh, say a year ago uh, um, Ezequiel Barco could have decided not to go to Atlanta he could have decided to stay independiente what then happens if the next day after rejecting that contract in training at Independiente there's a horrible accident and he breaks his leg He's and never recovers that's, that's the one chance of a, a secure future not just for him but for his family that he's got um, and, and so yeah of course they make moves according to economics rather than uh, competitive football but it, it, it's a job anyway in the case of Varco for example he had uh, it's not that 
difficult to learn English at Russian, at Russian. And they have, he had, uh, for example, Hector Villalba, Shamil Assad, uh, Miguel Almiron, other guys that mm. uh, speak Spanish. And, Gerardo Martino. And in the case of the Russian, the Senate, uh, Argentinian players that went to Senate, there are a lot. There are uh, Granabiter, Duce, Mamana, Paredes, it was Rigoni, now he's not anymore there. Yeah. Uh, so that helps them to not, not to feel alone and... and They, they, they earn a lot of money and, and apart from that they are they, they can uh, join with other other Argentinian guys or, or that speak Spanish well that that is better yeah much better I think we even in all this we overestimate the players wishes I'm sure that in 70% 80% of these transfers we talk about with guys who are 21 22 20 years old they pretty much don't get a look in there what club they're going to right oh, it's the agent who comes and says I've got I have a, six million on the table to go to this club sign here and, and you saw it I have a friend who used to be uh, she is not any longer but used to be the uh, one of the secretaries and, and um, sort of assistants to one of the biggest um, player agents in Argentina to the extent where she for instance travelled to England uh, to sign the contract with Denis Stracolossi when he joined Everton for example wow um, So from that, if you do enough Googling, you can work out which agency she was working for. But anyway, um, among the other deals that she was um, involved in was another Argentine player sale. How can I put this? It was from a club that one of us sitting around this table supports. And it was to an English Premier League club. And this guy got there and didn't want to sign the contract because he wanted to play. This was what she told me. It was his lifelong dream to play for Liverpool. And he was like, no, I don't want to sign this contract in case Liverpool come in for me. She had to take him into a separate room and give him a talking to and say, Liverpool are not bidding for you. There is no interest from any of the really massive English clubs, including Liverpool. It's not going to happen. This is your shot at getting way more money, way more regularly and living in a way more secure place than you do in Buenos Aires. So I've just told you where, you know, the greater Buenos Aires, let's say. That really narrows it down, honestly. Um, <laughs> indeed. Um, she, she basically had to bully him into signing the contract. Yeah. But this, is a, this guy is, I, I think, still a current Premier League player, but don't quote me on that necessarily. Um, but certainly he plays in England still. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes the players who actually do have this great footballing dream in their head simply aren't the most... Um, intelligent either and well, they yeah. actually might think oh no I want to hold on for an offer from Real Madrid or Manchester United or, or Juventus or whoever when that just simply isn't going to happen and so they have to end up signing for yeah. Girona or Burnley mm -hmm. or, or Genoa or whatever the that's the point right they will because even playing for kind of a mid-table lower mid-table team in Spain they're going to get so more than if they were in a yeah. top five Libertadores team in Exactly. Moving on. Sorry, I, I just just quickly to to don't make it so long. Uh, you you came up with the the, the thing of security, and that reminds me that um, one of my favorite players in the MLS, uh, Diego Valeri, mm -hmm. uh, played for in, in, in Europe, yeah. played for Lanús, and he decided when he was um, just unsure about signing with, with Poland that he will go to Poland the day after the family uh, was kidnapped. In Buenos Aires. Yeah. So he said, okay, this yeah, is yeah. about security, so I'm going to sign it. Well, everything went well for, for him because he's loved in Poland Timbers. 
But that that's also something that comes to your mind, you know, mm. security for your family, and yes. not only with money, but in general speaking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lee Bartlett says, why are Club Atletico Belgrano known as La Pirata when they're a seven-hour drive away from the coast? <laughs> Fortunately, to save us having to research this, uh, the wonderful Twitter account Belgrano in English has already responded for us. He says, or she, I don't know who runs the account, it was a nickname given to the fans back in the late 60s. Fans travelled everywhere with the club and at some point were compared to pirates. I'm not sure exactly what they did to be compared to Pirates, but that nickname stuck and they've carried it ever since. There's then a follow-up uh, in which uh, Belgrano English says, I've heard that maybe it had something to do with the fans robbing other fan bases. Well, I, I, heard, I, I read, actually, a book that any, anyone that can find it um, in English are welcome to, to, to read about the nicknames of Argentinian football. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it, so the name, so you can retweet it. Some... a fabric book? No, it's uh, another book, yeah. Okay. And actually, it supports the idea that well, they went everywhere to to follow Belgrano, but didn't say anything about Robin. But they did some mischief stuff mm. uh, to support the Pirata uh, nickname. Indeed, uh, Racing Club UK says, "What has been your favorite Racing player from the Racing Club UK advent calendar?" Dan, I'm going to let you answer this one because I've not been looking at it. Uh, I saw really I saw Jose Chatruk. Is that, is that enough? Chatruk was today's, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I keep Darren happy. Um, Pichud, <laughs> why not? <laughs> uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, Well, the Club World Cup didn't go according to plan, did it? To be honest, River were fortunate to get as far as penalties. Will we see another full house of Argentine sides get out of their Copa Libertadores groups? Tacheres have a tough route through the qualifiers. Of the groups that we read out earlier, I think. San Lorenzo might have the toughest time because they've been crap mm. for a very long time. Central do um, will have their work cut out. River have got a, a tricky group, but I mean, given that it's River, you would assume that they'll get through it. Boca ought to get through theirs fairly easily. Central and, and San Lorenzo could have upstri- uphill struggles. Yes. I think it, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we end up with four. Argentine Um, and thank you very much to our Patreon supporters for continuing to be patrons. Um, please continue to do so. We're going to record a hand pod extra now in a minute for you. Um, also, if anything does happen during this break that is sort of worthy of extra comment, like, I don't know if Maradona goes on a massive cocaine bender and does something ridiculous and dies or whatever, then <laughs> I will record a hand pod extra to um, keep you happy. But otherwise, we will be back in... Uh, what did I say? We're going to take two weeks off. So in three weeks' time-ish, probably, mm-hmm. we will be back for the new year. And we will talk about whatever matches are being played for friendlies in the summer, about Rivers, um, various matches of, of catching up with uh, Superliga and Recopa Sudamericana matches, and, of course, about the Sudamericano Sub-20. So we'll see you then. Uh, have a very good Christmas. If you're Jewish, then we hope you had a happy Hanukkah. If you're anything else, then just enjoy this time off work. If you're getting any time off work, um, have a good New Year if you celebrate the Western New Year. 
and we'll see you in a few weeks' time. Uh, thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. From Tony. Thank you, until next year. From English, Dan. Thank you, and happy whatever. And from <laughs> me, goodbye. Goodbye.